Good evening and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, if you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. Subscribing is free and keeps you up to date on the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis. On tonight's episode, we are going to be talking about a couple of different things, including how the Winnipeg media has sort of handled the Line A situation, a couple of free agent signings, and ultimately what exactly the Line A departure you know, would signal for this Jets franchise, and how do we as fans deal with it. I've talked about Line A before extensively, but I thought you know, with some more retrospect and seeing some of the other names that have come and gone through Winnipeg's doors, and some of the guys that are currently... Uh, rumored to be on the way out, you know, I think it's important to discuss what exactly the Jets' plan is, because as far as I know, there is no plan. Now, that's obviously a little bit disingenuous, but I think we as the public-facing fans really don't see any sort of clarity in this whole situation, and I feel like next year, if the Jets have some sort of attendance, they're going to see a decline on top of already reduced capacity because of COVID. I gotta be honest, man, people aren't happy about this Line A stuff, and I'm, I'm one of those people who's kind of really frustrated by this whole situation, but before we talk about the unpleasant, unfun stuff, let's talk a little bit more about some of the free agent signings before we dig into Winnipeg. The Toronto Maple Leafs have made one of the best value signings they could possibly get in bringing Jumbo Joe Thornton into the fold for a one-year $700,000 contract. I think at this stage of his career, Jumbo is basically nearing retirement. You know, of course, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. He'll probably have his number retired in San Jose, and pretty much everyone around the league knows who he is. He is legitimately a living legend and one of the most famous playmakers this league has ever seen. Jumbo is a special player, uh, a huge character, and as far as a a major on-ice leader for all of the teams he's been in, he's absolutely been an uncontrollable force, in the good way, mind you. Thornton, you know, he's not going to be playing a whole lot of minutes, I don't think. I I would imagine that he probably gets like middle six time because again, he is almost 40, if not actually 40 now. And so, you know, despite all of his productivity, you definitely need to measure his minutes. But what you do get is one of the most prolific two-way playmakers and a really well-rounded possession-driven center who can absolutely win matchup battles and set up his linemates on really great opportunities. For 700k, it's just insane value, and it sounds like some of the Maple Leafs ended up talking to him and trying to convince him to come up to the Maple Leafs organization. Toronto has gotten a near-elite center for basically a fraction of the usual price, and of course it is just a one-year deal, so once it's over, Thornton can mull over whether he wants to retire or maybe try to go back to San Jose and finish out one more year. Even if the season doesn't happen or Jumbo ends up getting injured, this is an extremely cheap contract and I'm sure the Maple Leafs are going to be thrilled with the prospect of him potentially playing any games at all sometime in the potentially near future. Either way, this is an extremely low-risk contract and the exact kind of deal that I would love the Jets to get. Of course, if he were to try and pick Winnipeg, I'm sure the contract would be significantly bigger. And let's be honest, Jumbo wants to go to an organization that is a proven winner, or at least sells him on the idea that they are closer to being competitive and potentially winning a cup than they are not doing so. And of course, Toronto's a huge city. Jumbo, I'm sure, is probably familiar with it. And kicking it there for just about one season seems like a pretty good way to potentially end your career. Speaking of very good value contracts, we also had Evgeny Dodonov signing in Ottawa for three years with about an annual average value of $5 million. The deal itself is very good, although it does seem a little bit strange considering Tyler Toffoli signed for one year extra at a younger age for a little bit less than what Dodonov is getting paid. But three years of term, Ottawa definitely needs cap hits and, and certainly hits that are functional. 
But all the same, this Dodonov contract is kind of weird when you consider the circumstances. Right now, there are very few teams that want to hand out big money and long-term salary. COVID has definitely messed with a lot of teams. So, ostensibly, I get it. You know, it does make sense. Dodonov wants term. He wants a little bit of guaranteed salary, and maybe nobody else was willing to give it to him, especially the contending teams that are probably going to have tight cap situations anyways. Where I think he kind of signs this deal with the expectation is that he thinks he's going to get picked by Seattle. Maybe Ottawa looked at this contract and said, look, we need your cap hit on for a year. You can show off, play well, do your time, and then when we expose you to Seattle, your contract hit and your productivity makes you an easy claim. You've got two years in Seattle. Everything's great. As far as what to expect from, from the Donoff, he's definitely a really prolific scorer. I think he'll be a huge boost to that top six, which is right now very kid-heavy. The thing about the Sens is that they have a lot of underrated prospect talent, but I don't think that this draft particularly helped them in terms of immediate NHL help, which I think is something that they definitely could use. Dodonov will be joining a team that's definitely not really looking to compete. I, I think at this point, Melnick and the uh, management team probably know that this is not a squad that's really built to compete, but it will be a pest for at least a few teams. Where I, I kind of question what exactly they're trying to build there is, you know, they brought in Matt Murray and they resigned him to a massive four-year contract, which again looks more like a cap anchor than anything, probably purposeful in this case. But then, of course, they bring in a really good playoff caliber player in Dodonov, and so I don't really know if they think that they can compete or if they're just trying to balance the books with some players they think are at least in some capacity productive. Dodonov is definitely good and somebody who I would easily welcome to the Jets. In fact, on previous episodes, I was hoping that Winnipeg would extend him a contract offer. Relatively short term, of course, because obviously Winnipeg's future is very uncertain and I don't think that the Jets want to commit too many years on a big money deal. In Ottawa, though, you would think that they would be looking more at a rebuild than trying to compete, and so I'm just not really sure what their long-term plan is. They're bringing in Stutzla and, of course, the somewhat controversial pick in Jake Sanderson, but, you know, none of these guys are going to be immediate NHLers anytime soon. You'd imagine that Stutzla and Sanderson are probably a couple of seasons away, and they definitely have some decent prospects. I would imagine that at some point Eric Brandstrom turns into something, hopefully. But their roster is kind of an odd mishmash of guys who are probably middle six at best and maybe some fringe top sixers. And then you've got, of course, Brady Tuchuk, Thomas Shabbat, and maybe Colin White, but overall I'm just not 100% sure where that roster is headed. I like Drake Batherson, I have a little bit of time for Felix Slapik, but overall I think that they definitely need like a high-end franchise piece, and I'm sure that they imagine Tim Stutzla to be this kind of guy. I'm just really surprised that they didn't bring in a center, because if you brought in like a Perfetti or a Rossi, one of those two might have made the NHL a lot sooner, and Dodonov maybe gets a little bit more offensive support. As it is, the Sens are kind of in a weird spot between having some competent or even really good to great players but not really a roster that matches it. They're kind of stuck in limbo, and I don't really get exactly what their whole moves in free agency and on the trade market were supposed to do. They definitely seem to be doing something, and, and as to what that's building towards, I think is anybody's guess. Speaking of things that we don't really know what they're building towards, up next we'll start to talk a little bit about this whole Winnipeg Line A saga, and why this continuing trend of a lot of top-end players leaving is, is a little bit troubling, especially some of the younger players and prospects that apparently are on the rumored trade block. Before then, though, I thought you'd love to hear a little bit more about rockauto.com. For most folks, trying to pick up new car parts, especially replacement parts when your vehicle needs repairs, can be a very stressful, frustrating experience. Sometimes you don't even know what you're looking at, or what to buy, or how much to pay. But thankfully, there's an easy answer. 
Head on over to rockauto.com and check out their entire selection of automotive parts. They stock everything from engine control modules to floor mat replacements for the one that you drop that greasy taco on. And if you're not super knowledgeable about automotive parts, no worries. rockauto.com has an easy-to-use website that allows you to filter parts by make, year, and model of your vehicle, and then you can set a price range so you get the exact parts you need at the prices you want. Best of all, you can save anywhere from 20 to 50% off retail brick-and-mortar in-store pricing. Why go anywhere else when rockauto.com has the best deals in town? When you place an order, be sure to write locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com today. Welcome back to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are kind of in the Halloween mood because there are some spooky rumors surrounding Patrick Laine and the Winnipeg Jets. We've already talked about the whole line situation over the past couple of weeks. We know roughly where these two parties stand, but apparently there's a lot more going on behind the scenes, and I think more and more, you know, Winnipeg media are starting to talk about it. What I find puzzling, though, is that when it comes to Jets media, oftentimes there's not really a whole lot of discussion or criticism regarding how Winnipeg handles its affairs. I know that, of course, the Jets are a little bit secretive and like to keep things close to the vest, but I I also kind of wonder... As outside observers, you can tell when something's wrong, right? A lot of people say, oh, if you don't have hockey knowledge, how could you say that the Jets or any other NHL organization are doing things improperly? For me, I kind of look at it a lot like I I think about evaluating politicians, right? You don't have to have served an elected office to know that somebody is certifiably bad at their job. I mean, you call it like you see it. If something sucks, it sucks. It's hard to say otherwise. And I think that that's kind of why the lack of criticism around the Jets over the years has been a bit of a frustrating point. There's often like a neutral or a positive spin on things, and I I know that a lot of local media organizations will do this kind of stuff where they don't really want to say too much about a specific sports team that exerts a lot of influence in an area. But at some point, I really feel like you have to call a spade a spade, and Line is potentially the third major departure from Winnipeg in the past year or so, including Jacob Truba and Dustin Bufflin as the others, and you have to wonder what exactly is going on in Winnipeg. This isn't the first time that the Jets have had problems with kids. Of course, when we had younger players like Evander Kane before he got traded, there were quite a few rumors about the locker room not really being in love with him, the supposed feud between him and Dustin Bufflin. I mean, we had all of this stuff where it just sort of like bubbled over for some reason, and there was not really a great explanation as to why any of it had to happen. You know, fast forwarding a little bit, we also have Nick Patan, who was supposed to be, in my opinion, a really good top six forward, and he basically never saw the ice. Patan has now been a career AHLer, you know, with some occasional depth deployments on whatever teams he's been with, including, you know, most recently the Maple Leafs. But he was a guy that whenever he actually played in the NHL or even at the AHL level was capable of making these game-breaking plays. He displayed incredible vision and distribution, and his defensive impacts were actually pretty decent. Despite a guy being of a smaller stature, Nick Patan was a really great, well-rounded forward. And yet, he was just kind of fired into the sun and no one ever really saw from him or heard from him after, like, 35 games that one year and then a couple of call-ups here and there and some press box duty. For a guy who put up the kind of numbers that he did with the Portland Winterhawks, the fact that he didn't really get a chance to shine with the Jets is sort of an odd situation, right? But in isolation, people could understand. It's not the first time that undersized players with really high skill ceilings who don't look as active on every shift kind of get frozen out by their respectively drafted teams. Where the trend starts to get a little bit alarming is when we suddenly fast forward and now again we have Sami Niku as a guy who really hasn't gotten a shot at the NHL level. Last season, when Bufflin was still around, Sami Niku really should have gotten minutes with Bufflin as part of a pairing that would allow him to acclimate to the NHL level. Instead, he basically got no ice time, and in very limited minutes, he was able to do a little bit, but not a whole lot, like his underlying impacts look pretty bad. 
and in the sample sizes that we've gotten since then, again, still mostly the same. You know, he doesn't really play much for the Jets, and then oftentimes he's gotten sent down, and or, you know, if he's not been sent down and playing, he's in the press box, right? Which is not exactly productive for his development. And I feel like at the AHL level, he's proven just about all he can. He's already won a major award at the AHL level, and he's certainly had a pretty dominating career when he's been sent down there and actively starting. So I kind of feel like at this point, the only way for him to go was up, and the Jets just never really gave him that opportunity to thrive. It's not surprising that when Niku gets deployed, he really struggles, because he hasn't had a whole lot of frequent ice time to really acclimate himself at this level. It'd be one thing if it was just Niku on the block, but there have also been rumors that Christian Veselainen, to some capacity, may be a little bit on the block, which I don't really get because we haven't even seen Veselainen with the Jets. I think he had a few games at one point, but beyond then, we really haven't seen much of him at all, and he's been pretty productive at the AHL level. I know that people kind of looked at his numbers, uh, I think last season or the year before, and they thought, well, maybe he'd started to stagnate. But then he started to put things together and look like a more effective all-around forward. For how much skill Veselainen has, I really don't understand why you would suddenly trade him away. I know he's a winger, and of course the Jets have plenty of wing depth, but if we're about to lose Line, Veselainen might actually be very important. The Jets don't have many high-end offensive wingers sitting in their system right now, and, you know, obviously Line A going is going to be a huge blow to that depth. I think people underestimate just how important this guy could potentially be to Winnipeg's future. And Veselainen, even though we haven't seen a whole lot of him, I feel like he has the potential to also be a very good playmaker and scorer, really, at this NHL level. We just don't even get a chance to see him yet. At the root of all this, there seems to be a related theme, and that's ultimately that the, the coaching staff really isn't giving the Jets much to work with. I feel like Paul Maurice has had many years at the helm, and the Jets really haven't done a whole lot with him in charge. If anything, we've only ever seemed to alienate a lot of young prospects and players. Jack Rosovic's not happy with his ice time, Patrick Laine seems like he wants out, Patan and Niku have basically been relegated to AHL or minor league duty, and yet we bring in guys like Nate Thompson, Lucas Abisa, Anthony Potato, other players who really, I, I don't know that they would be better than what we've already got in-house. You know, Kyle Connor, Mark Shifley, Blake Wheeler, they get tons of minutes, even though for some of them, their underlying results and, and on-ice impacts aren't actually that good. So I kind of wonder where exactly the analysis and criticism of the way things are going on is, is you know, sitting. Because at some point, somebody has to say something. This is a rotten situation. I think that this line A trade, if it happens, is going to be a big stain on Winnipeg's reputation going forward. It's not enough to just win the trade, right? You also have to think about the public image of yet another young talent coming to Winnipeg who is a first-round pick and basically getting alienated before his ELC is really over. I think when he signed that very short-term bridge deal, it seemed like it signaled some sort of intent from the Jets, especially in hindsight. If Winnipeg did not intend to lock up its generational goal scorer, then, you know, what exactly is Winnipeg's plan and path forward? with this whole team. Trading Line A is such a ridiculous proposition because guys like him just don't get traded from the teams that they get drafted by, especially not when they're not only improving, but they're also 22. It's a very puzzling situation, and on the next segment, I'll talk a little bit about why I feel like this is going to be a particularly bad situation for the Jets, especially in their public image and PR department. Before then, though, I wanted to talk a little bit about breaking your daily walls. I know when I wake up in the morning and think about all of the tasks that I have to get done, it can be a little bit daunting, especially when I don't have that kick of energy in the morning. That's why I turned to Bilko to break through my daily walls. Bilko is the great tasting, natural, and healthy alternative to your usual energy drink crash. Bilko comes in convenient one and a half ounce packages that you can slide in your briefcase, in your golf bag, or just about anything you need so you can break down walls anywhere you're going any time of day. It's perfect for pre-workouts, as a quick pick-me-up, or as the healthy, natural alternative to 5-hour energy. It comes in three delicious flavors including peanut butter honey, chocolate coconut, and chocolate mint. 
Bilko comes fortified with beta alanine, B3, honey, a little bit of caffeine, B6, and B12, so you can keep going all day. To get started, visit Bilko.com and use promo code LOCKED, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED for 20% off at Bilko.com. Let's go. Welcome back to this closing segment of the Lockdown Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are taking a look at some of the stuff that's happened with the Jets, especially with the line situation and the fact that this is kind of a continuing trend in the pattern that seems to be happening with a lot of the younger players that come through this team. For every Andrew Kopp or Janssen Harkins, which is funny mentioning Kopp because he himself wasn't happy with his ice time just a year or two ago, we seem to be coming across a lot more unhappy campers including Jack Roslovic, Nick Patan, Patrick Laine, in some ways maybe Jacob Truba, although I think the Truba situation is a little bit unique because I think it was more of a family issue than him not really liking Winnipeg, but we've even seen a little bit of dissatisfaction from one of the veteran players in Dustin Bufflin. Now, of course, a lot of people will say, well, you know, Bufflin called out sick, basically, and retired before the Jets could even do anything. And my thought about that is that the Jets aren't exactly a team that lacks access to information. If something's wrong, they know it. They've probably known it for a long time, and I'm sure that they were expecting the whole situation with Bufflin to explode at some point, which is what happened when they sort of went to a minor court case. I think that this whole line situation, though, is a new level to the fact that Winnipeg just cannot seem to make players happy. I know that the city itself has always had some issues attracting talent, but what on earth is going on that the Jets can't keep some of this talent? You know, guys like Mark Shifley, Nick Ehlers, they seem pretty happy. Maybe even Blake Wheeler is satisfied. I guess Josh Morrissey is too, and that's great. That's what you want to see, but there are quite a few recent players who are seemingly unhappy and ready to walk out, and that's very concerning to me. Roslovic, for all of his minor flaws and stuff that he has in his game, was eventually supposed to replace Matthew Perot and be a really crafty top six attacking winger. He seems like he's about to get traded in the near future, probably for some defensive help of some sort. Patrick Laine, though he hasn't formally requested a trade as far as anyone knows, seems like he's got one foot in the door. And of course, Winnipeg has already traded away some of the players that it drafted earlier. And so I kind of wonder what exactly young prospects coming into this team must think. I, I know that for a lot of Jets fans... This is a golden era, especially when they didn't have the team for so long. But at some point, you know, enough is enough. I think that the Jets have kind of worn out their welcome, and there are real expectations to succeed. I look at Paul Maurice and what he's done with this roster and how he's managed the relationships with some of the players, and I'm not really sure that he's the best fit for this organization. I think that the way this team needs to move and, and essentially play a more younger style of game doesn't really fit the way that he sees things. I think that philosophically, he's a little bit more old-fashioned, and I'm not sure that that really works with this team. For every guy like Harkins who plays that gritty, old-fashioned game, but with some offensive flair and, you know, a more modern style, you've also got guys like Line who are maybe a little bit more cerebral. You know, of course, we, we kind of say cerebral when he can score amazing goals from almost any angle, but I think he's actually got very underrated skill sets and tools that continually get missed. And that sort of stuff that people miss is, is why he always seems to be on the outs. I know that, you know, Patrick, for all of his flaws, definitely has some issues that he hasn't exactly improved upon, but the version of him that we got this season versus last year is like night and day. I mean, he's really turning himself into a really well-rounded forward, and it's clear that he put in a ton of work to get to where he is. That the Jets kind of seem like they're at the point of no return with him is just absolutely baffling. I mean, guys like Line don't really get frozen out of their teams very often. Maybe this kind of stuff happens around the league elsewhere, and I'm just not privy to it, but I'm very confused as to why the Jets, who really struggle with free agents, 
are not going to give the attention that they need to give to some of their top draft picks. Maybe we're just cursed to see some really good players and teams occasionally, but not really get anything that sticks around for very long because this Jets team kind of feels like it's in some ways falling apart just a little bit. Right as we trade for a 2C who could potentially sit between Line A and Ehlers, we're maybe about to watch the exit of one of the guys that we brought Stastny in to play with, so I don't really get whatever the end game here is. The Jets have got to give us something to, to cling to at this point because we're, we're all kind of wondering what exactly the plan is with this team, and there just doesn't really seem like a bright future ahead. We need some kind of clarity and, and long-term vision because for the rest of us, we're all looking at this like, do we really want to pay money to this team to watch them kind of flounder around? Increasingly, it seems like season ticket holders are fed up with having expectations for a team that continually disappoints. The Jets need to sort this out as soon as possible because we're going to have the season in just a couple of months. Winnipeg has a shot at making actual noise. It'd be better if one of the most talented goal scorers to ever wear a Jets uniform doesn't hate being in Winnipeg, right? Somehow, we just have to make this work for hopefully another season until we can figure out a bit of a longer-term strategy with this. But for tonight, that's going to end my ranting. I'm obviously very frustrated, and I feel like I, I probably speak for a lot of fans when I say that this is kind of getting to a point where we're all really angry at how the Jets have handled this whole situation. Winnipeg needs to figure it out and do something, and don't waste this amazing blessing that they've been granted. With that, that's going to conclude tonight's show. Before we log off, be sure to check out the Locked On National Podcast hosted by Sarah Avampato, and as always, go Jets go!